on this Kirkin of the Tartan Sunday. We are so glad that you are here. You need to know that we are picking up in a conversation that we've been having now for eight weeks, a conversation uh, around our new vision statement here at Preston Hollow, trusting that all belong to God, living like we belong to one another. For the month of October, we've been examining that, that, that last statement, living like we belong to one another, because it is our commitment season, the season in this community of faith in which we commit to God for the coming year, our, our lives, our resources, and the gifts of our very lives. And so this Sunday, we're going to explore two uh, verses um, from the Bible, two scripture readings, rather, one from the book of Isaiah and the other from the book of Hebrews. And I want us to consider this morning, what does it mean to live like we belong to one another? What does it mean for us to live like we belong to those who have gone before us? What does it mean for us to live like we belong to those who will come after us? I think the prophet Isaiah and the author of Hebrews give us some wisdom and also courage and words of grace as we seek to follow that path. So listen now for the word of the Lord to all of us this day. First words from the prophet Isaiah. Don't remember the prior things. Don't ponder ancient history. Look, I am doing a new thing. Now it sprouts up. Don't you recognize it? I'm making a way in the desert, paths in the wilderness. And from Hebrews, so then let us also run the race that is laid out in front of us, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Let us throw off any extra baggage, get rid of the sin that trips us up, and fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Jesus endured the cross, ignoring the shame the sake of the joy that was laid out in front of him and sat down at the right side of God's throne. Friends, this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Remind us, O oh God, that you hover here. You hover in this very sanctuary just as you hovered over the waters of creation. So we ask that you would create afresh and anew this very day, that you would reach across the ages and breathe new life into these ancient words, that they may be your word to us here and now, and we pray, O oh God, that you would breathe new life into the words of my mouth and into the meditations of all of our hearts, that all would be acceptable and pleasing to you, O oh God, our rock. And our Redeemer. Amen. I'll never uh, forget the spring semester of my sophomore year in college. I was taking a religion course from Dr. George Ramsey. Dr. Ramsey had been a professor at Presbyterian College in Clinton, South Carolina for 35 years. And I was so honored to be able to take one of his final classes, a survey of the New Testament. And I don't know if Dr. Ramsey always did this or if he was doing it for the final semester of his teaching life. 
But Dr. Ramsey, after every class, would sort of distill these huge ideas that we had been talking about for an hour and a half every Tuesday and Thursday morning. He would distill these ideas into these bite-sized gifts that he would hand us at the end of class. I'll never forget, we had just finished a very lively discussion on the subject of predestination. I know that you're all extremely jealous of that. When Dr. Ramsey said, I know for the last hour and a half, we have been talking about these big theories and what does it mean for God to be alive and at work in our lives, and I want to share this with you. My young students, the older I get, the more I live, the easier it is for me to look back on the entirety of my life. And to see the thread of the divine that has run through every moment of my life. I could not see it when I was your age. But I can see it clearly now. I couldn't see, I couldn't always see where God was at work in my life. But every memory I have now, there is that divine thread knitting my life to God. I've never forgotten that moment. I've never forgotten those beautiful words. I think I've never forgotten that moment because the longer I live, the more I've come to find that to be true. But it's difficult to look back on our lives, isn't it? I mean, we're, we're oriented to look out of the windshield of our life. It's difficult to look back on our lives and see the divine thread when we're oriented toward the windshield of our life, and especially when we're going a thousand miles an hour, rushing off to the airport to catch the flight for the next job, or getting the kids dressed and getting them ready to go to school, or trying to schedule a workout, or catch up on emails, or even having to schedule a date with your partner or your spouse through an Outlook calendar invite. <laughs> I hear that some people have to do that. Not the roughners are, you know, we're good. But we can go a thousand miles an hour and it's hard to see all that God is doing. But I think that Dr. Ramsey's right when we orient our vision uh, from the windshield of our life and we catch the rearview mirror we're able to see that divine thread through memories. I wonder what memories uh, you have this morning when I even bring that up. I wonder what's in your brain right now, what's in your thought. Maybe it's uh, the memory of taking uh, your child's hand into your hand when you walked them into their first day of school. Do you remember how small their hands used to be? And how big your hand used to feel when you could swallow it up and you walk them into the first day of class. Maybe it's the moment uh, that you shared, the meal that you shared with those friends that you had back in that city before you had to move to Dallas. It was that meal you don't remember what you had, but you remember who you were with and you remember how it fed your soul in a way that you would long for now. Maybe it was being at the bedside of a loved one when they were struggling to take their final breaths. Maybe it was a grandparent or one of your parents or 
Maybe it was your spouse. You were so overwhelmed by grief and pain and emotion in that moment. Now that you look back, you could see the whole thing as a holy, holy and divine gift. Maybe it's uh, when you went on a date to church and you came on a Sunday morning. Or maybe you went on a date to the symphony and you heard that piece of music that spoke and elevated your soul in a way that you never thought was possible. Maybe it was a kind word from a stranger that you passed on the street that you had no idea that you would encounter and they said something to you, word that you most needed to hear. Oh, I wonder, when you look into the rearview mirror of your life, what do you see? And are you able to see the divine as a thread knitting your life with God? You know, I think this is part of the prophet's work. Prophets know that they need to to shake us awake to the holy in our midst. The prophets offer rattling reminders of God's faithfulness in the past, which I think gives us courage to live like we expect God's continued faithfulness in the present and in the future. That's certainly true for the prophet Isaiah and his words to us this morning. I'm about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I got to tell you, I've been thinking about Isaiah's words a lot over the last few weeks, especially in preparation of this Kirkin of the Tartans Sunday, a Sunday which is designed in many ways for us to look into the rearview mirror of our faith tradition and give thanks for the reformers who have created this particular strain, the reformed tradition. But as I've been thinking uh, about Isaiah's words, I've also been caught up in a flood of memories, thinking about the saints that have gone before us here at Preston Hollow. You know them. The John McCoys and the Jeanette Earleys. The Rosemary and Dave Curtises. The Mrs. Lieberlin. Barbara and Fred Myers, Field and Mary Scoville, most recently Mary Jane and Farrell King. I'm sure there are more names that you could add to this list of these saints. I've been thinking about them a lot over the last two weeks, and, and I've wondered this thought. I wondered if we could bring them back in on Kirkin of the Tartan Sunday, and if we could ask them to, to squeeze into these pews. You might have to fight with them over your assigned seat, but they, we could do it. If we could bring them in and let them sit right next to us, and if we could ask them this question. Did you know? Did you know? Could you see what God was doing through you. I mean, could you even perceive it? Could you imagine what Preston Hollow is today? What do you think those founding mothers and fathers would tell us now? Do you think 
they could have ever imagined when they planted this church in an old worn out cotton field up in the boonies of North Dallas. Do you think they could have ever imagined a community as vibrant as this one? One that is over 3,000 people if you count our kiddos. Could they have ever imagined as young adults, they were in their 30s when they planted this church. Could they have imagined when they put their houses up as collateral to get a loan from the bank to build this church? 30-year-olds who had a lifetime of expenses right on the other side of the windshield of their life, could they have ever imagined that this community of faith would nurture and love and raise up 30 future Presbyterian ministers? I mean, could they see it? Could they even perceive what God was doing through them? they clearly see what God was doing when they started the Preston Hollow Presbyterian School. A school for, for young people. It's the church's first outreach mission. A school for young people that, that has become a lifeline for children and families for generations. A school that creates a, a nurturing and challenging learning environment that helps young people return to mainstream education. Could they see it then? Did they have any idea what they were modeling for this city? It's in our DNA. What they did, their very lives, what they sought to create here at Preston Hollow is in our DNA as a community. We're a community that, of faith that takes seriously our call to worship and to education and to mission and to music. We haven't gotten here on our own. What we have become is built on the foundation of their faithfulness, of what God has done through them. And whether they could imagine it today or not, I certainly believe they would say to us that they trusted what God was doing in that moment. And they were trying to be as faithful as they could to God in that day and time. And I know they would say, and some days we got it really right. And man, were there some days we got it really wrong. I think they were being faithful in big and small ways and praying together and passing their faith on to their children and reaching out to their neighbors and in giving in ways that exceeded normal generosity for building the kingdom of God. Some of you who are in the sanctuary this morning know all of this to be true because you stood on their shoulders. You stood on the foundation that they set when you built Vickery Meadow Learning Center. Now literacy achieves. You stood on the foundation that they built when you went over to the neighborhood and you listened to voices of peoples along silence and you heard their cries for help. You listened to what they needed and you built a community now where people from every corner of the globe come every single day. But I wonder even when some of you helped create Vickery Meadow, if you were even, even able to see what God was doing. 
Could you perceive then that literacy achieved would have multiple campuses? Some of you stood on the foundation of, of those who went before us when you created the Epiphany Ministry program here at Preston Hollow. A ministry for persons with special needs. A ministry that claims all of God's children as equal. Did you know then that this would be a community of nurture and care and respite and holy encounter? Could you even perceive it? Friends, often we don't know. Often we can't see the foundations that we are laying in the moment. The truth of the matter is we have no idea what God will build through our faithfulness today. But we're called to be faithful in big, in, in big ways and in very small ways. Like in praying together and passing our faith on to the next generation and reaching out to our neighbors, neighbors and living generously for the building of God's kingdom here and now. We do this, not always knowing what God will do, but trusting that God is always doing a new thing. I got to tell you, this has never been more true for me than it was this past Monday night. You need to know, this past Monday night, we had our session meeting right here in the sanctuary, as is our custom, but this session meeting was a little different. We invited our confirmands to join us for worship. We examined them, which is uh, much too serious of a term for what it was. We had a conversation with them over dinner. And we had uh, chairs in a big circle right here in the sanctuary. I sat right where Barbara Lacey is sitting this morning, and I was moved to tears by the foundation that our young people see you building in their lives and in our community and in our world. And so I've asked uh, our confirmation class if they would preach the final section of the sermon because they have something to say and they have something that we all need to hear. Tell us what you see. My faith was built on the faith of my grandmother. She was always a religious person and remained, and remained faithful even after my grandfather died. My faith is built on the faith of my mom, who is always reading her Bible. That has made a huge impact on me. My faith is built on the faith of this church, which baptized me and has helped raise me. My faith is built on the faith of my friends. They push me to believe and become closer to God. My faith has been built on the faith of my grandfather, who always reminded me to be grateful for what God has given me. My faith has been built on the faith of my grandmother, who spends a week with my family and I every summer at Mo Ranch. My faith is built on the faith of my parents. Not only were they the first ones who introduced me to this church, but they also model through their actions what a healthy relationship with God looks like. My faith is built on the faith of Chaplain Rhonda, who first ta taught me about God at a young age. My faith is built on the faith of our pastors, especially Matthew Ruffner, because his sermons always move me. My faith has been built by the faith of my family. My mom used to read me scripture in the morning, and my dad has always wanted me to go to church. 
My faith has been built on the faith of those who give, like Alice Maddox, who served as a Stephen minister. My faith is built on the faith of my great-grandmother, Virginia Holloway, who joined this church in 1954. My faith is built on the faith of my mom, who raised me in this church. My faith has been built on the faith of Sarah R., who has gotten me closer to God since she arrived at PHPC a year ago. Her love of God and spirituality inspires me. My faith is built on the faith of my dad because of the constant love and compassion he shows for everyone around him. My faith has been built on the faith of my mom because she loves coming to church and being a Christian and she has always encouraged me to come with her. My faith is built on the faith of my sister who has helped me understand when things get hard. My faith has been built on the faith of my parents who have trusted so much in God and have taught me to do the same. My faith has been built on the faith of this church which has helped me learn about God to learn to develop my faith and to learn how to express it. My faith has been built on the faith of my Sunday school teachers, like Mr. and Mrs. Stanbridge. They were my Sunday school teachers until sixth grade. Their dedication to my class and the material they taught was so inspiring. My faith has been built on my good friend Elise Stanbridge, who brought me to this church and has helped me grow closer to God. My faith has been built on my parents and grandparents who have stood with me my whole life. Can you see it? Do you perceive it? God is working through this community of faith through you to build the foundation of faith for so many of us. Friends, we do not always know how God is going to take the very gifts of our lives. We have no idea what God will do with them. The Stanbridges had no idea, the whole family, <laughs> that when they showed up to teach Sunday school, people would say they were the very foundation of their faith. For our call is to offer our very lives to a God who by the faithfulness of God will build mercy and love and justice through us for the whole world. I am so grateful to God for these confirmants and for their moms and their dads who read them scripture. And I'm so grateful to God for this community of faith and all of you who volunteer to teach Sunday school and to serve in mission. I am so thankful to God for God's faithfulness through all the generations. Let us pray. Our God, our help in ages past our hope for years to come. May we respond as your people, O oh God, to your faithfulness in our world and in our lives. Thank you for our young people who help us to see and to perceive and help us to be a people who follow where you lead us. For we pray in Christ's holy name. Amen. Confirmants, thank you. You may be seated. Thank you. <clears throat>